0: Amen. So last week we started a sermon called Election 2020 and I'm going to continue. I'm going to finish that sermon today. I think it's really important that we from, we, uh, those of us who preach from the pulpit talk about some of these relevant issues. I don't know this year we've talked about a lot of them. We've talked about COVID-19 and all the different issues that come along with that. Talk specifically about the spirit of fear and how we should not live in response to things that, that our, our natural minds and bodies can be afraid of but knowing that God is in control. We talked a lot about race relations and what the church, church's response should be. And of course, uh, this is an election year, and this is um, going to be one of the more fiery elections. And so I really believe that we need to talk about uh, what the Word of God says and how we should be voting, uh, how we should be getting involved. So we're going to finish that today. And before I do that, I want to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. I know there are a lot of strong opinions about this election about policies and all these different issues right i know some of us have strong opinions and i know all of our facebook friends have stronger opinions it's really important that as christians remember that we do not have an opinion the only opinion we have is what the word of god says now we may be wired different ways to care more about certain issues and that's okay i think all issues are important to the lord but ultimately, we have to go back to the Word of God and ask, Lord, what do you want me to? How do you want me to act, interact with this election? How do I need to vote? What what things are most important to you? And so, we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. And I think uh, we need to pray and ask the Lord to just empty our our minds, our hearts of maybe the things we care about, and say, Lord. Even if it's the things that, even if he puts the same things back on our hearts that was in your heart, but he's gonna do it. It's not something that we do. He fills our mind, our hearts with his his thoughts, with his passions. And so if you would just bow your heads with me and uh, we're just gonna pray. Jesus, we thank you for today. I thank you so much for my family, my friends who are here, those who are watching online. I pray that you would just be with each of them. You see all the needs that they have. There are many needs in in our lives, in our nation. Father, we just lay those things at your feet. I know that's one of the reasons we get so passionate is because we, we know that these things influence and impact our lives. And so, God, we just want to lay these things at your feet. And Jesus, we give you our minds. We give you our thoughts. We ask, God, that you would fill us with your ideas. If there's anything in us that does that not come from you, or maybe it's something that is good, that is moral, but it's something that we've come up with, Father, we pray that you, that you would just empty us of those thoughts and put those, those ideas back in us, but without pride, without arrogance. But you would, would you put them back in us, with, with, uh, coupled with your love, with your patience, with every fruit of the Spirit, so that we can be good examples in this hurting world. We just thank you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Last week we talked a little bit about, um, I think the theme last week was let's not worry. There are a lot of things to worry about, but one of the things that we don't do is we don't put our trust in the outcome of the election and we don't put our trust in government. Why? Because if we put our trust in these things, and these are very, uh, the government, of course, is a big, powerful entity organization that absolutely has an effect on our day-to-day lives even though, even though government and, and, and the people that we elect have a big say in our lives, ultimately, if we put our trust in them, we are still putting our trust in man, right? It doesn't matter if it's the president or if we were living in another country where there was a dictator or kings and queens, they would still just be men. They would still just be women. We do not put our trust in what's going to happen in a few weeks or, or we do not put our trust in government or a certain politician because we're not putting our trust in man but in God. In Matthew 6, we we talked about how it's very easy for us to worry about a lot of things. We read, um, there were, I think, three main things that Jesus said, don't worry about what you eat, don't worry about your drink, don't worry about what you wear. I would say that those are some of our basic, basic needs, eating, drinking, and making sure we have uh, clothing and shelter uh, for our families to live in. But Jesus says, even those things, I don't want you to worry about them. And then he says something. I don't. I don't have time to read it. But he said, "If you are focusing on these things, then you're living just like unbelievers live. Because unbelievers, these thoughts dominate their minds." So I want to encourage you. If you have been worrying, if you have been um, even scared about what's going to be going to happen with this election, or maybe something with COVID, or or whatever else, I want you, I want to challenge you to understand that God is going to take care of you. He is bigger than all these things. The only thing that we have to do is to trust in him. Jesus says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, all these needs that you have will be taken care of. I want, to, I want you to look to the screen and look at Psalm 146. I found this passage as I was studying last week. So this, is, this kind of summarizes this idea of not worrying about what we need and putting our trust in God. 146 verse 3 says, don't put your confidence in powerful people. There is no help for you there. When they breathe their last, they return to the earth, and all their plans die with them. He says, don't put your confidence in powerful people, whether it's the president of the United States, whether it's your boss, a company, a judge, whoever, don't put your trust in them, because when they they die, that's it, they return to the earth. Verse 5, but joyful are those who have the God of Israel as their helper, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He, oh, this is good. He made heaven and earth, not somebody, not a man, not a woman. He made heaven and earth to see and everything in them. He keeps every promise forever. Has God promised you something? He is a promise keeper. He may not fulfill the promise in your time, but you could be sure that He will fulfill it at the perfect time. He gives justice to the oppressed and food to the hungry. The Lord frees the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are way down. The Lord loves the godly. The Lord protects the foreigners among us. He cares for the orphans and widows, but he frustrates the plans of the wicked. The Lord will reign forever. He will be your God, O Jerusalem, throughout the generations. Praise the Lord. I don't know about you, but as I was reading that passage, I saw a lot of different issues that we're voting on right now, right? The oppressed, the hungry, the prisoners, um, the foreigners among us, orphans and widows. He frustrates the plans of the wicked. I know there's a lot of distrust with big government. and and But the Lord, if we look to him, he will deal with all these issues. And I said this last week. When we vote... And we're going to be talking a little bit about why we vote in a second, but when we vote, all we're saying is, all right, Lord, you've entrusted to me this vote so that I can infuse righteousness back into my nation, into my community, but I'm not going to put my trust that the right person is elected. I'm simply going to do my part and trust you with the rest. This is why we don't worry. We seek first God's kingdom, whatever he's asking us to do small, big, whatever. We only say and do what he's asking us to do. This is our vision. I'm going to point to this every weekend. We hear his voice. We don't do more than we should, and we don't do less than we should. We only do what he asks us to do. When we do that, he takes care of all of our needs. So I want to ask you, where's your heart? Where's your trust? Where is your trust in this election season? Is it in man? Is it in a certain outcome, or is it in the Lord? Last week, I mentioned how uh, and this, th- th- to me, this is awesome because I've, I've we've heard the story about the Israelites coming out of Egypt and the ten plagues. I've heard it all my life, but I didn't realize uh, the connection with with, um, with the economy. When God sent the ten plagues on Egypt, do you know He completely destroyed the Egyptian economy? Completely destroyed it. He sent he sent locusts to eat up all their uh, their the crops. He sent a uh, hail to destroy everything else that was left. He completely wiped out Egypt. We don't realize this, but the, the Israelites were living in the Egyptian economy. If God, if God destroyed the Egyptians and everything they had and didn't take care of Israel, Israel would have perished. They would have, they would have probably starved. They would have had to migrate somewhere. They would have been in trouble. But the word of God says that even though Egypt, Egypt was completely destroyed, God took care of his people. And I just tell you, even if our country is no longer great and we become like a third world country... Even if that happens, God will take care of you. Amen. It does not matter what happens. Our trust is in him. Do you believe God is the same yesterday, today, and forever? Let's act like it with our thoughts, with, with what we care about, how, how we, where we put our trust. So Christians are asking, maybe not so much this election. I think everyone is getting the idea that we need a vote. Um, but I know um, a lot of us have this question, should I vote and who should I vote for? So I want to tackle those two questions this morning. Should I vote? I've met, there was this guy that I met um, when I was, when I was uh, in college, and he was a believer, loved the Lord, but he didn't believe in voting. He says, I'm just, and he would say, Josh, I'm just going to pray for our country. Um, you know, that's all God really cares about. He doesn't need me to vote or get involved. Whatever is going to happen is going to happen. How many of you have heard that or you've said that? Hey, it's going to, whatever is going to happen is going to happen. Then I would ask you. Then why go to church? Whenever it's going to happen, it's going to happen, right? Why pray? Why do? Why do anything? If you're going to if you're going to use that that thought process with the vote and this, then you have to use it across the board. God has called us though to be involved. Tony Evans said this: the Bible is pregnant with politics. God cares very much about a country's values, their policies, their laws, very very much. So, and we have been given the responsibility to vote. David Barton um, had a conversation with a rabbi, Rabbi Daniel uh, Lapin. And as he was having this conversation uh, with this rabbi, he he was telling uh, David, he said, the first time that God spoke to Adam, he spoke to Adam in Hebrew. And so God had a relationship with Adam and Eve in Hebrew. And of course, God created all the languages of the earth, but this was the first, the first language. So he said, every word that has come out of God's mouth is Hebrew. Remember, he walked with Adam and Eve in the garden, and then after, after Adam and Eve fell, we had, there was a separation because of sin. So every word in Hebrew means something, and every word that you can't say means something. Did you know in Hebrew, there is no word for the word Coincidence. In God's mind, there's no such thing as a coincidence. Either he ordained it or allowed it or he didn't. Did you know in Hebrew, there is no word for the word rights? We hear about rights, and we talked about this early this year. In the Hebrew, there is no word for the word rights. Instead, God talks about responsibilities. People say, well, I'm not going to vote in this election. I'm not going to get involved because it's my right not to. As believers, voting is not a right we have is a responsibility. I, I love what they said. He said, voting doesn't belong to us. It belongs to God. Voting, if we, if, we, if, we have a, um, if we think it's a right, then we vote based on what we think is best. But if voting belongs to the Lord, then we say, hey, it's not my right to decide what I want to do we're going to vote, and we're going to we're going to push for policies that represent God's law, that represent His character, that represent how He wants us to govern our our nation. God is saying, "I have given you this vote, this responsibility to steward, to steward your land, your nation according to My principles." Um, again, we don't have an opinion. If we lived in another country where we didn't have a vote, let's say we lived in in China where they have very, very little rights, then okay, then we don't have that responsibility. But in America, we have been given the way our country has been set up. And how many of you are thankful we're born in America, not in China or in Russia or in some of these other countries that have little to no rights? God, the way our country has been set up is we have been given a responsibility to get involved. And I think every believer, the least we can do is vote. Now, I believe God has called some people to, to, um, to run for, uh, certain offices, whether it's, you know, the city council, school board or whatever, God, but God has given each of us the ability to have a say. Remember, um, if we have that same, if we have that same mentality that my friend had, then, then why will we do anything? There's no reason to do anything, but God has given us a responsibility. This idea also lines up with the New Testament pretty well. Look at Galatians 5, verse 13. It says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. I love this. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I had another friend, all these people were in college. College will get you in trouble. I I had a friend in college. Um, this is girl I, I knew in class, her and her sister went in and they, and they said, they were believers, but they said, hey, I'm not under the law, I can do whatever I want. You know, I don't have to be under the law, I don't have to uh, do these commandments. You know, there's grace, there's grace. This verse says, yes, you have been called to freedom. You have been given this ability to walk in freedom in Christ, but not so that you can use that freedom on yourself. You have been given the freedom to love other people, to serve other people to endure with others. Look at 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient and kind. It endures wrongdoing. We have been made free in Christ so that we can help others, not so that we can be selfish with, what we, with how we want to live our life. So, should I vote? Yes, you should. Number two, who should I vote for? Now, I'm going to give you a name. Just kidding. I'm not going to give you a name. <laughs> um, I... Who should who should you vote for? That's the wrong question. We don't vote for anybody. Proverbs 14:34, we talked about this last week. We vote for righteousness. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. We are not voting for a person, we're voting for policy. We're voting for righteousness. As you read the word of God, you learn about what God considers righteousness. And what God considers idolatry and what He considers abomination, as we as we study the Word of God, we learn what God loves and we also learn what He hates. Our responsibility is to elect somebody who is going to uphold godly principles. Voting is not and i 'll say this voting is not about personalities; there are some, and I, I know our president can can rub people some wrong the wrong way and Maybe he needs to change how he acts. I, I would say there's some things he needs to change. But did you, did you know voting is not about um, voting for personalities? We vote for policy. There were some very good people in the Bible like King David and Hezekiah that had bad policies that had tremendous consequences on the nation of Israel. And there were actually very bad people like Samson, uh, like the kings of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, Darius and Cyrus who, were, who didn't serve the Lord But they they did good things for God's people because they had good policies. We do not vote for personalities. We vote for policies. We vote for righteousness. One of the things I'm very passionate about is leadership. God judges a nation. He'll judge a state. He'll judge a company. He'll judge a church by how well their leaders lead. This is the truth. I've seen it time and time and time again. God God entrusts. Certain organizations, countries, with leaders, if you read the Bible, whenever there was a good king the nation of Israel prospered, but whenever there was a bad king the the nation of Israel did not prosper. Now, I want to read a couple of verses God, I, want, I want to prove this po- I want to prove this point in the, in the nation of Israel, there were th- whenever Israel was united, there were three kings there was the first king Saul, there was the second king David, and the third king Solomon. Solomon was David's son, and then Saul was supposed to be his his family was supposed to reign forever, but he didn't obey the Lord. Um, After Solomon was after Solomon died, his son became king, and that's when the nation split. The nation so the nation split into two nations: the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern king kingdom of Judah. Before they were one, but whenever they split, it was the northern kingdom of Israel, and that there were um, ten tribes, and then the uh, the southern kingdom of Judah there were tw- there were approximately 20 kings and leaders after they split there were approximately 20 kings and leaders that ruled in both nations and some of them were really good and some of them were really bad the reason i bring this up is because there is n- we are not going to find a perfect candidate okay we're not going to find somebody who is going to do things perfectly why because we're men and we're women but we can find people who are better than others, and as you read, I'm going to read a few examples. There were some, so there were good kings, and there were bad kings, but there were also really good kings, and there were really bad kings. Our job is to pick the best of whatever we have in front of us. I want to, I want to read this because this is really interesting. Look at First Kings 15 verse um, nine. I'm going to, I'm going to jump around, but First Corinthians 15 verse nine. It says, "In the twentieth year of the king of Israel." Asa, King Asa, began to reign over Judah. Go to verse 11. And Asa did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, as David, his father, had done. He put away the male cults, prostitutes out of the land, and removed all the idols that his father had made. He also removed his mother from being queen because she had made an abominable image for Asherah. Asa cut cut down her image and burned it at the brook Kidron. But look at verse 14 but the high places were not taken away. There's not a lot of description here, but the high places were abomination to the Lord. So Asa did a lot of good things, but he did not do everything right. Nevertheless, the heart of Asa was wholly true to the Lord all his days. Now look at 2 Kings 22. This is about King Josiah. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's, was, mother's name was Jedidah, uh, Jedidah, the daughter of Ida of Boscoth. And he did was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked how? In all the way of David his father, and he did not, return, did not turn aside to the right or to the left. So we see King Asa was a really good king, but when we read about King Josiah, he was a better king than, than King Asa because he did everything according to how his great-great-grandfather, King David, had led. Now, there were also evil kings. I want to read this. 1 Kings 15 verse 25. Nadab, the son of Jeroboam, began to reign over Israel in the second year of Asa. We just talked about him, king of Judah. So they were reigning at the same time. And he reigned over Israel two years. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father and in his, son, and in his sin, which he made Israel to sin. So we see that he didn't do what God wanted. But we're going to read about the most evil king that, ever, that Israel ever had. Look at First Kings 16, the next chapter starting with verse 29. In the 38th year of Asa, Asa still ruling, king of, king of Judah, Ahab began to reign over Israel. And Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel 22 years, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord, how much more than all who were before him. And, is, and as if it had been a light for, thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, he took for his wife Jezebel, the daughter of this king of the Sidonians, and went and served Baal and worshiped him. He erected an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria, and Ahab made an um, Asherah. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. So we, we read the reason I wanted to read this again is to show you that the kings of Israel and Judah um, varied on how wicked they were and how good they were. I say this because as we approach an election, it's very easy for one side to say, well, they're completely bad. They're, that We, we want to take the stance, well, like they're either right or they're wrong. As human beings, we're, we're, we're imperfect and we're not going to make um, the right decision every time. But our responsibility is to look at every candidate and say, okay, which one is mostly good? In, in our situation, many people are feeling, okay, which is the lesser of two evils, right? I think a lot of people have felt that way with this election, even the previous election. We have permission to vote that way. And now some people will say, well, I can't believe you're voting for this person or that person. Our responsibility is to vote for those who will make righteous decisions. It's also possible to have two really good candidates and still say, hey, one candidate is better than another because they have policies that line up uh, uh, more so with the word of God than the other person. Remember, we're not voting for people, we're voting for righteousness. Now, there are many issues, and I want to just talk about a, a few of them. Um, there are many, many issues in our nation today, um, just, just a few. Uh, um, illegal I- immigrants, um, abortion, uh, same-sex marriage, the judges. We have a, a Supreme Court, um, um, what, what do they call that process of electing somebody? Um, nominee process, and so there are many, many issues. There, I know the environment is a big one with the younger generation. Uh, I think every issue is important, but in God's eyes, I believe there are some issues that are more important that take primary importance in our lives. Let me ask you this: What what do you think is just just a, as a quick example, what do you think's uh, more important: dealing with how we treat murder or how we treat the environment? Okay. Now, does it mean the environment is not important? No, very important. But I think we would all agree, I think if there's injustice happening in our uh, judicial system how, as it relates to murder and, and, and killing people versus the environment, I think we need to address the, the former first because uh, we're created in the image of God. And ev- eventually, this world's going to pass away anyways. So that's just a quick example. I'm not saying it's a perfect one, but there are some issues that are more important than others. Remember, we seek first the kingdom of God and he will take care of every need we have, every need. So the first issue is number one, judges. I'm gonna go through five of them really quick. Isaiah 126 says this, and we read this passage last week. And I will restore your judges as at the first and your counselors as at the beginning. Afterward, you shall be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. Notice the order. Once he puts the judges in their rightful place, what is the result? Afterward, you shall be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. And if you remember this passage, uh, God is dealing with the nation of Israel because they had judges that were perverting justice. And he said, hey, I cannot allow you to have these crooked judges who take bribes and only um, judge according to, to the way they feel they need a judge. I'm going to take those judges out and put judges who will judge according to my standards, according to my statutes. When that happens, you will again be called the city of righteousness. If you look at everything that is happening in the cultural war, um, Roe versus Wade abortion, the the changing of the definition of marriage, uh, everything is coming out of the courthouses. This is why there's this huge, uh, there's a huge proceeding now with, uh, with um, uh, Judge, Judge Barrett, um, and that's why there was this huge proceeding with Judge Kavanaugh several years, years ago, because judges more than any other part of our, um, of our nation determine how much righteousness is in, instituted into our nation and how much it's not. So when we vote, we need to vote for people who are going to appoint judges that that are going to judge most closely according to the word of God. Is that clear? Judges are that important. Judges are, and I have this statement on the screen, judges are what determine the righteousness of a nation more than any other single issue. It's vital that we vote for people that are going to put judges that are going to judge righteously. Number two, Israel. How are you going to treat Israel? Now, this may seem, um, what does Israel have to do with the United States, right? Judges, of course, judges deal with American citizens and this and that. So why is Israel that important? Look at Genesis 12, verse 1. We talk about Israel a lot here, but I want to read this again. Now, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great." so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I know a lot of people talk about the separation of church and state. And, but when, when our nation was created, the, the founding fathers never envisioned a country that, that, that led or ruled without God or without his principles. That's just the bottom line. As, as, as our nation has turned away from God, we're coming up with our own ideas of how we need to lead. It's kind of like this. The Word of God is a perfect, it's a perfect, um, this is a silly analogy, but a, a perfect uh, collection of cooking recipes. And so we can go to the Word of God and we can find a recipe for anything that, w- that we need in our life. But if we go, if we, and so our 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 laws were founded on the Word of God. It's very clear. One day, hopefully, we can talk more specifically about that. But it's very obvious that our nation was founded on godly principles. What we're doing is we're changing these cooking recipes expecting to have the same result. You cannot do that. It's not possible. And so the reason I brought up um, the separation of church and state is because God called God called our nation to, to lead according to biblical principles. Um, Israel, honoring Israel, is one of those principles. Now, it may seem to the average person, hey, we just need to worry about what our issues, American issues, this and that. Um, that is partly true, but more than that, we need to worry about what God worries about. We need to care about what God cares about. And the word of God is clear. And... Um, it's it's really clear that when you uh, side with Israel, you will be blessed, and when you don't side with Israel, you won't be blessed. Uh, I remember the the previous president. I'm, Isaac, you might have to help me with this. What happened before Hurricane Katrina? What did the what did our nation do? He um we 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 took I think we did, we gave I think we gave land away. Uh, the United States was part of, of a committee that gave some of Israel's land away to the Palestinians. The next week, Hurricane Katrina hit our nation. We directly divided the land and we can go into it later, but the word of God says, don't divide, you don't divide my land, you don't touch my land, you don't touch my people. When you do that, I will judge you. Hurricane Katrina is one, probably the worst natural disaster we ever had. And that happened right after the week after we violated Israel. So God judges a nation on, on their alliances with Israel. Again, at the, at the end of time in the battle of Armageddon, every nation is gonna come against Israel and try to destroy Israel, but God's gonna come down and destroy everybody that comes against his people. So wh- what is our attitude towards Israel? When we look at voting for specific people, we look at how they treat Israel and also how they treat Israel's enemies. Okay, number, th- okay, number three. Religious acknowledgment and conscience. Now, when God gave, um, when God led the children of Israel out of Egypt, He gave them six hundred and thirteen laws to build a nation. Um, look at Matthew twenty-three, twenty-three, real quick. I, I, for, I forgot to say this. Look at Matthew twenty-three, twenty-three. There are certain laws. I said there are certain laws that are more important than other laws, and you're gonna you're gonna see this. What's, and This is Jesus talking. He's talking to the Pharisees. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites? For you're careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Yes, you should tithe. You should do those things that you're doing, but do not neglect what? The more important things. When God gave us the Ten Commandments, these Ten Commandments were the top ten of all these laws. And it's important that we pay attention to these laws. The, um, some, of these co- some of these things I'm about to l- list are consistently on the ballot every election. You're going to see why. So the third one is religious acknowledgement and conscience. This, this, um, this issue has to do with the first commandment. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Whenever we vote, we vote for people who are going to protect our religious liberty. The Word of God says that we're not to worship anyone else or serve anyone else other than the Lord God. And so I know our nation has taken prayer out of school. That they have taken that right out of our schools, and this is something we need to pray about. And, it, of course, elect people who will institute righteousness back. But this is one of the things it's talking about. We vote for people who are going to protect our religious liberties. I know there have been um, cases the last several years of people who owned cake shops or who owned photography businesses that refused to service people who were um, specifically wanted wanted some of these services for same-sex weddings, and um, they were they they were um, sued. And some of these some of these issues turned out differently. But we're voting for people who protect our religious right to honor the Lord our God. And if we say, "Hey, that's going to violate my my conscience to to um, to serve you in this way," then my rights are protected under under the law. Okay, number four. Marriage protection and sexuality. This is another issue. This is the seventh commandment. You shall not commit adultery. When the word of God says you shall not commit adultery, it's talking about how sex is confined to a man and a woman for a lifelong union, marriage. There is no context for sex between a man and a man or a woman or a woman or for anyone who is not married. There's no context. When God says you shall not commit adultery, he's talking about all these things. As believers, going back to the former issue, we have a responsibility to honor this commandment with, uh, with, with our vote, and that deals specifically with same-sex marriage. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying um, that that people who are married that are that are that are gay are, are going to hell or anything like that. I'm saying that as leaders, we have a responsibility to uphold certain certain standards. Remember, God judges a nation by their policies. And Of course, within the nation, there's all kinds of people, but when God looks down from heaven, he sees how the people are, and, and specifically in the United States, how we are voting and how we are electing our leaders, and he says, okay, that's going to determine how much I bless that nation or how much I take my hand, off of, hand of protection off of that nation. This, this issue is consistently on the ballot box, and I know that this has become more normal, but it shouldn't be. We need to, again, go back to the Word of God. And then lastly, abortion. This is the the sixth commandment. You shall not murder. Now it says, it it does not say do not kill. There's a difference between murdering somebody and killing somebody. And, And when you go into the law, it reflects that. In the Hebrew, it's murder. Murder is the shedding of innocent blood. For example, whenever we go to war with people or we've gone to war with people in the past, um, they were it was not innocent blood that was shed because there were two nations intentionally coming against each other murdering somebody is is killing somebody that is innocent that is not that is not aware of of what is happening this is what the word of god talks about you shall not murder listen to this carefully everywhere there is murder in the bible a curse always follows everywhere that you read about murder in the bible a curse always follows I don't know if you realize, but since Roe v. Wade uh, in 1973 that allowed abortion to take place in our country, over 61 million abortions have happened. 61. And worldwide since 1980, there have been 1.5 billion abortions. And I had this thought a while back. Maybe we've aborted some important people. Maybe we've aborted people who could cure cancer. Maybe a board of people who could help us in other areas in, in our world. Everywhere that there is murder, there is always a curse. Remember, Proverbs 14, verse 34 says, Righteousness exalts a nation, but a sin is a reproach to any people. We're not asking, who do we vote for? We're asking, what are we voting for? I know this is a tough, this is a tough issue, and I listed a few issues. I just want to reiterate, God cares about every issue. Every issue that is important to you, I'm sure it is important to the Lord. Especially if you can find it in the Word of God. But it's vitally important. And another one I didn't mention, but how we treat widows and orphans. Um, I'll just be. On, I'll just be honest. Um, I am more conservative than anything. Um, but one one thing that the other side has done is is really. Con- taken concern for the widow for the orphan those who cannot help themselves i think it's important that we understand this is this is also an important issue i believe that especially with with this um with covid how many of y'all were affected directly by losing your job or, or loss of hours what happened the government stepped in and helped now do i think the government should step in and help all the time or maybe to the degree they've been helping i don't know maybe not but there is a place for us to take care of one another. I, I read uh, a couple weeks, a couple months ago, um, we were in Acts 2 quite a bit, we were talking about the relevant church. But one of the, thing, one of the things the early church did is they sold everything they had, and they basically, let's say it like this, they put it in a big pot, and whoever had needs, they took care of them. That certainly sounds like a certain form of living, right? There is value in taking care of widows and taking care of orphans. But the only thing that is going to hold all these policies together is the Lord. And this is why I said at the beginning, this is why I said at the beginning, whenever I was praying, this thought just came to my head. You may have the right policy, the biblical policy, but if you do not have the Holy Spirit inspiring you and leading you, then you're not going to love well you're not gonna serve well, and you're gonna develop some pride and arrogance. And what is it to do what God wants but not show his love? It's the, in 1 Corinthians 13, it says, I'm like a noising gong or clanging cymbal, it's meaningless, I'm nothing. So one of the things I wanna encourage you is as we vote, let's love, let's consider one another, let's, let's not get into a, a shoddy match with somebody on social media, Let's pray for the, as much as we, as much as you think a certain way about a politician or policy, let's pray about it. And I, and I know that I mentioned this last week, but we need to pray as much as we talk. We need to pray as much as we vote or how much, as much as we're going to say we're going to vote. So let's all stand. I know this is kind of a different sermon, more, more informative. But again, if we don't talk about these things from the pulpit, where are we going to learn how we need to think and how we need to act if you would just bow your heads and close your eyes we're going to ask the holy spirit to speak father we just thank you for today god we want to be a people that are committed to loving well i pray that even if the person we want is not elected that we would not lose our heads that we would not lose our peace, that we wouldn't go on this righteous rant of of why our country is going down the drain now, but that we would understand that you're in control. You're in complete control. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit this. Just say, Jesus, is there something that I need to change in my thinking? Is there something I need to change in my heart? If you pray that, just be still. He's going to speak. He may speak to an issue that I've spoken about, or he may speak to an attitude of your heart. Just be still and allow him to speak to you.